All right, and welcome to What's the Call podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chuck, and with me I got... I got Aaron here. And this is not Dimitri. Dimitri can't be with us today, so we have the best guest host we've ever had in the history of our show, just in time for the NBA playoffs, from Bleacher Report, Hardware Knox, and apparently also on TikTok now, oh. we got Dan Favalli. Oh, what is up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here as a TikTok influencer with 30, <laughs> 30 followers to my podcast TikTok account. This is you're that's not saying what is like that's why I got into the sports journalism business was for this moment to start a TikTok two years after it became popular. <laughs> just be on there with a bunch of kids that are like half my age at this point. Yeah, basically. Yeah, shout, shout out to TikTok. It's, it's the best. Is it? It's, it's the best. best. It's it's. You it's, use it a lot. I I'm on I'm on it all the time. I watch so many funny videos and I get into like a rabbit hole of about anything. I just learned about geocaching. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yeah, that was probably like ten years ago. Yeah, I just got into like a rabbit hole. Where I was like on TikTok for like two hours watching geocaching videos. So. <laughs> I'm I'm in. I'm all in. We should probably start one for what's the call. I mean, it's a, a, a TikTok yeah, or geocache. The, Both. <laughs> that thing is the wild, wild west. Like I don't know how people really search for stuff because the videos that we like, I have one video that has like 2,400 views, and I have 30 followers. Like people are clearly looking at the yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, you could blow up doing pretty much anything. So those 30 followers, you know. To turn into thirty thousand, almost three dozen. I mean, it's, it's almost three dozen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, NBA playoffs starting. Do you technically count it starting Saturday, or did you count it starting playoffs? You cannot have two thirds of your league make yes. playoff. That can't be a thing. It's the play-in tournament. They don't even track the stats. Like, it doesn't count towards the regular season or the playoffs. It just disappears into the ether, apparently. So, I do like the play-in tournament, mm. and at least this idea of one and done for certain teams or win and go home. But it is not – it's not the playoffs. It's just not. But isn't it just, like, the wild card? Do we? I mean, I don't think the wild card is playoffs either. I hate when they, when they sell, like, wild card merch. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Is it well, they sell wild? First of all, I didn't know they sell wild card. Merch. Yes, that's like could. that's like hanging a banner in basketball for winning your division because it literally doesn't mean a damn thing. <laughs> and they sell it, but like before like the game, so it's like you have it for what reason? I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird to me. So I I, I view it as like wild card, but in baseball they view it as the playoffs. But in, I guess in basketball playing is just a game. It's- it's a little bit different because fewer teams are making the playoffs in, in MLB though. So like yeah. getting to the wild card is actually sort of a big deal. And it's like, if you miss the plan while trying to actually be one of the 20 teams of the 30 that make it, it's different if you're rebuilding and you don't care, but for a team like the Lakers that just tried to win and couldn't be one of the top 20 teams like that, that's terrible. But I also just don't think the plan, like the plan is not, it can't be the playoffs. Otherwise, what's the point of the regular season? Like, why are we playing 82 games if two-thirds of the league make the playoffs? Do you enjoy the play-in? Like, or, or do you prefer the the old standard of, of playoff basketball? I like the play-in just because I think it 
Um, some people will argue, given the distance, like between sometimes the seven and eight seeds and nine and ten, um, it's just a nice change of pace. And it's like I don't want to say an element of March Madness, but there are just games where it's one winner go home, and there's there's a better chance for upsets, which I think are important in sports. And the way the NBA is set up to have every series be best of seven, that is very much catered to. They want the best team to win because it's so hard to beat unless there's an injury or, or something to beat. Um, the best team is probably going to win four times out of seven tries. That's just typically how it works. So I do enjoy the plan. Um, I don't know like if it sort of promotes mediocrity in the NBA where you have like a, a, a team like the Kings that is like they suck and they continue to suck, but they're actively, they're aspiring to be a nine or a 10 seed, which is problematic. Like the Hornets might as well just be like, you know, they're going to be here every year as the 10 seed or the nine seed losing in the first playing game. So there's an element of danger there where you get caught up in teams, maybe caring too much about the, the profit of maybe having a playing game or two uh, with fans in the, in the stands and what that does for your TV deal. And then making the first round just to get another, you know, at least two home games minimum. And so if teams are thinking that way from a business perspective, yeah, it's a problem. You get on this treadmill, but I enjoy it just because we don't see as many, upsets in in the nba anymore just because it, it's built in the playoffs for the best teams to win which i guess is it's, it's fair but i like the element of unpredictability and theory that there is even though we really i think all the playing i think last year i think all the playing stuff has unfolded as chalk so far like we haven't had a nine or ten seed make the playoffs yet so mm. here's to the pelicans making the playoffs <laughs> Don't worry, RJ Barrett's gonna be the playing MVP for the next like five, six years. Don't worry, we got this. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's another team that tried to be good and they couldn't even make the play in. I know they were playing kids towards the end of the year, but uh, we're, I, we're doing pretty well actually. They they were, but they the Knicks got to get rid of Julius Randle so that they yeah. can actually let those kids play those role. And the Knicks also need to have a direction, like none of this. Oh, let's commit ourselves to Evan Fournier and and Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel and pretend that that's like a quasi contender in, in the East. So uh, I think, I think they need to get rid of Tibbs. Actually, I, they probably need to get rid of the whole front office because I don't think this front office is ever going to rebuild. They think whoever the Knicks put in power continuously think, and people will say this is low hanging fruit or a pot shot, but they always think that they're going to get like the next star via trade or free agency. And who's the last big name player who actively wanted to play for the Knicks. It was mellow in 2000. It was mellow. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And that's like a famous one. Like after that, I don't even know who. And they better not mess up RJ. I know he's like inefficient at the rim and needs to work on his free throws and pull up jumper, but I think he can be special. And so I mean, hopefully he's like he's the what, first. 21, 22. I mean, they just need to continue giving him the opportunity that they gave him this year where they, you know, they kind of, uh, repressed his role at the start of this season because of all the different Kemba, Fournier, Burks, yeah. having Julius Randle there still, Derrick Rose. Uh, it limited what his development would be on, on offense. And I think he could actually be really good, um, but they need to give him the opportunity. And I'm very interested to see if this is someone they extend because they don't extend their first round picks. Like they, they just don't. Or are they really going to try and move him for, you know, Donovan Mitchell if the Jazz flame out in the playoffs this year? I also love that you said let the kids play. I think Julius Randle is like what twenty seven. 
He's like super. <laughs> Look, I hope everything was okay in Julius Randle's personal life this year, but he was awful. Even when yeah. he had like the good stretch, it's just like he was so bad. And then he was getting mad at fans who were understandably frustrated that he was having a, a poor year. And I didn't stay this strong enough at the time because I'm I still am a little bit of a coward, but like the Knicks never should have extended him. You deal with it if he has another good year, you figure out how to pay him or how to keep him. That extension was so premature, and it's going to be probably one of the four or five worst contracts in the league next year. Like that is that's that's not great. Yeah, that's such a tough. It's such a tough thing because he had so so much accept, like success last year, and fans were happy with him. And just like a New York fashion, it's quick to turn on on their stars. Um, I think for him, it's just more so like he needs someone to play like so another like a star that can ball handle. I don't know where he thought or Tibbs thought that like he was like Giannis dribbling the ball up the court. You know what I mean? Like Giannis could do it because he's ginormous and fast and no one wants to stay in front of him. Randall's slow, uncoordinated, and does not seem to be that guy, but he's been in that role the last two seasons. So it's a little weird um, that that would be the way that they would have him. Yeah, there's and he can be fast, but when he's on the ball, he doesn't operate like that. And he could, they didn't do enough of this. You could use him off the ball, set screens, roll to the basket. Like he has the strength and the downhill speed off the catch to do that. I don't know if he wants to do that. I don't know if the Knicks want him to do that. And part of this could also just be like Tibbs really uh do you guys curse on this podcast? Like he met he, Fuck he yeah, after- we do. <laughs> He fucked up on offense this year and just like was so uninventive, especially in fourth quarters. And that's, I guess, always been his MO, but there were things that I think they could have tried that they really didn't to where Julius Randle can still be, you know, maybe the third most impactful player on a really good team, but, but they didn't even try it. And I'm just curious whether he, you mentioned the previous season, whether after having a year like that, which was so anomalous relative to the rest of his career, you so very rarely see a player make that type of a leap almost randomly that late in his career Uh, after having that season though, is he willing to work in that capacity Uh, maybe for a different team, if it's a better team, but when it's the Knicks and that was kind of viewed as his team, I don't know if he'll view it as like RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly infringing upon his territory, but you could just tell with the way they were playing. Obi Toppin was a shot of adrenaline all year, whenever he stepped on the court. And I don't know if that impacted Julius Randle's mood, but his energy on the court and his performance on the court was definitely part of why it felt like such a reprieve from all this negativity whenever Obi Toppin actually played. Mm. Chuck, would you believe I, – I, I look at Obi Toppin, I think I see Brandon Nimmo. Like, Nimmo <laughs> plays with so much energy. He gets a walk, and he'll sprint to first place. Oh, he'll sprint, yeah. And when Love Obi Nimmo. Toppin's on the court, it's like he's like – doing suicides like he he's like even if he doesn't get the ball or makes no impact you know he's going to be sprinting down that court ready to go which honestly if it doesn't work out for the Knicks coaches love I think energy like that they love someone who'll come in and like be disruptive and come in and you know make something happen or or not and just kind of be a guy there but he's shown glimpses that he could be something so we'll see we'll see what happens but we're not we don't want to spend too much time on randall and the knicks they're not even in the play-in they're, they they, this is the playoff episode and we spent most of the time talking about a non-playoff team i mean it's it, it's funny to say this they their position last year compared to this year and another team that's like that is the hawks 
the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and then this mm. year they're they're barely they're in the plan. They're barely in the mix, and uh, I'm not like I like Trey Young, but I don't know if I'm fully sold on him. I don't know if he makes his team better. I, I wanted to ask you what what do you thought on that? I think Trey Young is spectacular, and the the best way that I can frame it is he's pretty bad on defense, but what he does on offense is so uplifting to where you can put almost anyone around him. And during the minutes that he's on the floor, you're probably going to have like what would be the equivalent of no worse than a top seven offense. And there are very few players in the league that can do that. I think what's also, I don't know if the word's unique, but what people probably don't talk about is his game is sort of built to sustain. If you look at someone like John Moran, who had a terrific season, he's going to be a mega star. You do get into the question of, well, how long does his prime last? Because he is so prided on explosion and athleticism and doing things around the basket. Morant, unlike Russell Westbrook, unlike Derrick Rose, seems like he has the the IQ and the perimeter game to adjust as he gets older. But like Trey Young's game is built to, I think, emerge more quickly as we already saw, and then just sustain longer. And it's just sort of a matter of can you put the the right pieces around him? And I don't think Atlanta thought they had a bunch of great defenders with Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. Um I don't, you know, those guys, DeAndre Hunter's been fine when he's healthy, but he's never been healthy. And then they got rid of Cam Reddish because they were able to swindle the Knicks out of a first round pick for that catastrophe of a trade. Uh, They just need to, I think you need to build your team more specifically around him than other stars. But I ultimately think that that it's not even a trade-off or a concession, but like that difference is worth it because he's so, the things he can do off the dribble as a passer, his floater game. And of course we know the off the dribble three point, shot and just the limitless range in general this is like he is probably the closest player offensively we've actually ever seen to Steph Curry uh even more so than Dame do you think Collins and and Capella like are good in the mix I I mean Collins is one of those guys that I feel like he's like a uh kind of like a Julius Randle where like his game is is kind of one one dimensional a bit it's a little undersized at his position he's you know he does he does play well it's not like he's like a scrub but um you think those guys are are also good in the mix in atlanta i mean Pete clean capella yes just because lob catcher someone yeah. who defensive rebound protect the rim collins is interesting because i think he's probably one of the most underrated players in the league and his defense has gotten better he's still not great at that end Part of that is, though, should he maybe be playing more center, but he can't because of the way Atlanta's roster is built. His offense, though, is just scalable to where he can fit around anyone, and we've seen it where maybe he's not happy with his touches at Atlanta, and that's probably the bigger problem, but he can shoot to three, has a little bit of a floor game. We've seen him even be used as the primary screener when Clint Capella isn't on the court, and someone who can just adapt his role like that, they're super valuable. Now, because Trey Young is so ball-dominant, Um, you get yourself into a situation where Capella either needs to be an elite defender who likes playing off the ball and he doesn't, he's, he's great off the ball, but he doesn't, he's not a great defender. It doesn't seem like he wants to play off the ball or you need to get Trey Young moving away from the ball more to where you can spread it around a bit. The Hawks either haven't tried it or Trey Young doesn't want to do it. And so I don't think Collins is, I don't want to say he's not a fit, but it doesn't feel like he's going to be in Atlanta long-term. It feels like the Hawks are going to gravitate more toward whether it's Clint Capella or not, we want this more traditional or defensive-minded big man, and then we're going to fill out the roster with other wings or secondary guards and secondary ball handlers, and Collins doesn't sort of fit 
into that mix because, you know, you mentioned one dimensional, I'd probably think he's better than that, but you could make a case that he's a one position player, which is very weird in today's league where a lot of other teams don't want him to be their center. You could do it offensively, but maybe not defensively. And so that also does pose some, some problems for them. So if I had to guess and we jumped ahead like two years, I don't know when it'll happen or not, but my guess would be that he's probably not on the Hawks that they have moved him. Okay. Do you think uh, Hawks Cavs, who are you taking for the play-in? I'm taking the Hawks reluctantly. The Cavs are getting Jared Allen back, and their defense has been just frantic with him and uh, Evan Mobley and uh, even, like, Larry Markin has defended way better than I thought he would. So mm-hmm. they do have weapons that can sort of gum up what Atlanta does. But I think Atlanta has way more offensive firepower, and they started to win like the minutes that Trey Young isn't on the court where Bogdanovich will run the offense. He'll have DeLon Wright and those lineups are working. You imagine that if Trey Young has to, he'll play 40 plus minutes, but games could be lost during those five to 12 minutes that your stars are on the court. And I don't know how Cleveland will necessarily subsist offensively. Once you yank Darius Garland off the floor, they just don't have that. Karis LeVert can be fine at points, but their, their secondary offensive options aren't that great. I think Mobley, I've said this and it just sounds hyperbolic, but when you watch him, he reminds me of like a Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett hybrid, which is wild. He's just not there yet. He's a rookie. He's a, he's yeah. a transcendent defender and has learned some new things on offense, but you, he can't be like your primary engine at this point. Chuck, who do you got playing? I was also probably going to go with the Hawks. Just most of us is Trey Young. I think he's got enough for, for one game. Um, I'm more interested though in the Pelicans Clippers as the other playing game. Two teams you don't really hear anything about, especially the Pelicans. I mean, the Pelicans been at the bottom, been almost a left in stock of the league for I don't know their entire existence, maybe. Um, so I'd love to see them. Yeah. Love to see them make it. I don't know what what do you guys think? Who wins uh, between Pelicans and Clippers? I actually have the Pelicans reluctantly right now. They've been so fun since the CJ McCollum trade. And I think, you know, you mentioned it. They're a team that's kind of just under the radar good. They were three and 16 at one point this year. And the fact that they were able to turn things around, um, you have a great find in Herb Jones. That guy does wild things mm-hmm. on defense. They're finding ways to like play Jonas Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes together. I still don't like it, but it's working at points. Uh, Jose Alvarado, like this rookie point guard who, if you, if you ever watch Jose Alvarado, just watch him away from the ball. And he is a maniac. And it is so thrilling to watch both on offense and defense. I don't know that they can make a run, but you look at a Clippers team that they've been better since they got Paul George back. You still don't have Kawhi. They are built to downsize if they want to try and make the Pelicans uncomfortable and their defense is hellacious. I just think when you get into having CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram, two of those level creators, plus the Devontae Graham, who will give you some minutes, that New Orleans' firepower will outlast um, the lack of firepower in LA right now, but that's the game that I, you know, both of these games seem so tightly contested, but I feel more confident in the Hawks beating the Cavs than the Pelicans beating the Clippers. I'm just holding out hope that they win and maybe Zion decides he wants to play this season in the first round. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's harder to say. I would say the Hawks definitely have that because I think they have like three one lead on the this season series. I think Trey's averaged like thirty three points during those. That makes more sense. But this one, um, I'll probably go with the Clippers um, for this playing game. I I feel like PG's in for a big game. Um, there's no like 
I, I just can't see him going out like if they were to lose to the Pelicans. I just can't see them going out like that. I can see them at least going out first round, but I think they I think they'll be in there. I think I, I got the Clippers. Um I I I also wanted to ask real quick before we continue on. Uh Colin Sexton, do you think he's gonna be like playing a factor? In Cleveland, I, I think that the emergence of, of Garland to the next level has kind of pushed Sexton away from people's minds that he's even on, like even a guy on the team. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see like what you think about that. Like, will he be kind of moved or pushed back in, the, in, the, in his role when he does come back? I, I'm just curious. I honestly don't know. And yeah, you do kind of forget he's on the team. I also keep forgetting that uh, Rajon Rondo is on that team too. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> playing. And I think it comes down to, you can't let him, he's coming off an injury. So I'm very curious to see what his restricted free agent market is like. There aren't a lot of teams with cap space. And since you have the right to match, I would hazard that you just match whatever offer he's getting, unless it's, you know, if someone throws a max deal at him, one of the three or four teams that can uh, maybe let him walk it probably comes down to whether you prefer him or Karis Levert long-term. It feels hard to squeeze Levert, Garland, and Sexton into the same roster. You could certainly play two of them together at one time, but then you get into a point where you have a lot of money tied up on the bench in crunch time because you're either not playing Sexton or you're not playing Levert, I would assume. You're not going to run all three of those guys together. If I'm Cleveland, I'm just waiting out the market to see what it's like. Uh, and because there's so little cap space, maybe some sign and trade scenarios are sort of opened up for you where maybe a team that's in desperate need of uh, another ball handler, another scorer might be willing to send you a wing because they could still use two-way wings. And no, it won't be a star, but because you have Levert, because you have Garland, you could sign and trade Sexton for someone who is an inferior player on paper, but might be more valuable to the cosmetic makeup of your team. All right, let's continue on. Uh, let's I guess we'll, let's I guess go we'll just, to the actual playoffs. Yeah, so we'll we'll go through those. Go ahead, Chuck. What do you want? All to right, first up, Saturday afternoon, one o'clock. We get the Utah Jazz and Dallas Mavericks. I have the Jazz reluctantly in this series. Uh, Luca is going to miss game one. I don't trust the Jazz. We've seen mm-hmm. some holes in their defense. They're not athletic. Um, Dallas could decide to sort of downsize, or if you put Maxi Kleba at the five, or even Adavis Bertans, who doesn't play much for them, but he'll fly around the perimeter and that could make Rudy Gobert uncomfortable. And if you pull Rudy Gobert outside the paint, he's normally fine. I think people still underrate how good he is, but the Jazz don't have the defenders behind him to make up for it. So this is a bad matchup for Utah, or rather it's probably any matchup would be bad for Utah. But the fact that the Mavericks aren't going to have Doncic and the fact that they typically play so slow, um, perhaps Dallas playing a little bit faster without Doncic will actually hurt Utah. Just until we see what Luca is like, um, I've went Jazz in seven here. I said if Luca started from the jump, I would have went Mavs in seven. But with Luca missing even a game, I think that the Jazz should win this series. And if they don't, uh, just everything I've been told from people who are actually important, not like I'm very connected, people who are connected talking to me, uh, the Jazz will just like that team is going to fry. Heads will roll. Um, people will want to leave, and so they need to get out of the first round because if they don't, it's going to be. It's going to be a, a pretty wild offseason for them. Sheesh. Chuck, what do you got? I'm also going to uh, give the edge to the Jazz um, with Don just being out, uh, being the same reason. Um, that's that's a huge loss to Dallas. Um, but I do I also agree with Dan that if this team does make it out of the first round, it's going to be an ugly offseason for them. 
Yeah, I have jazz. Um, I never take the, I mean, I don't take the jazz seriously, but I'd never take the the Mavs very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in this, this, uh, you know, playoff basketball. I just don't see it. Um, so I'm just gonna go with jazz. I don't want to spend too much time on that. All right, moving on. Uh, second round, Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies. Not gonna lie, I like this matchup. This I both these teams. This is the one right here. This is my this is my my sleeper favorite uh, series right here. All right, I like this series. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the Grizzlies though. I think Memphis is gonna take it probably like five or six. I went Grizzlies in seven, uh, six, uh, I think as well. When I did my podcast, might have been six or seven. I think the the Timberwolves are kind of spunky, and if Conley Towns plays better than he did it during the playing <laughs> game, they will be fine. But Memphis's defense is not going to give him any sort of breaks, and we saw what the Clippers were able to do to him, where they were they were double teaming him on the inbound, like in the first half. That just doesn't happen a ton. Uh, you have John Morant back. I am curious to see how Memphis's offense translates because they're very reliant on offensive rebounding and getting out in transition. And there are teams that can scheme around that. I don't think the Timberwolves are one of them. And so I do think that this is a series they win, but I'm one praying that Patrick Beverly doesn't injure John Morant's one of John Morant's knees, especially because John Morant is coming off a knee injury. And two, um, these are just two of what can be considered up and coming teams. At least when you kind of look at their cores, uh, Minnesota's Anthony Edwards only year two, but Carl Anthony Towns and Dilo have been around for a while. Minnesota's kind of returned to the, the fringes of relevance though. And you have Memphis that has just annihilated expectations on the back of Ja, Desmond Bain, uh, even Zaire Williams, the rookie gave them good minutes Triple and J, you have some yeah. older heads in Steven Adams and Kyle Anderson and De'Anthony Melton who are rock solid, but this team is deep and, I do think it's a series they win, but it should be. I am with Aaron. It's one of the sort of maybe the casual fan like might not look at it and think it's going to be great, but it might be one of the two most entertaining first round series that we get if we're being honest. And what's so crazy is Anthony Edwards. Like we're not even sure if he really loves basketball yet. And I think once he <laughs> learns that if he does, like you know, then he'll be just probably a top ten player in this league if he continues that pace. Um, yeah, I'm going Grizzlies. I, I love I love the Grizzlies, man. I, I've I've been a fan since the grit and grind, you know, Zebo and Gasol and I, I I'm all I'm all aboard on that. Um I'm I think my my big I, I'm, I'm hoping Triple J plays really well. Maybe he can make make Carlton Towns really work. Um, you know, he's a really great defender as well. So we'll see. I'm going Grizzlies, though. I would say Grizzlies in six. I probably like one Anthony Edwards game where he drops like 45. Oh, he'll definitely have one of those games. Yeah. All right. Third game, uh, third series is the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers. I just realized the first three games are back to back to back on ESPN on Saturday. That's going to be huge for ESPN. It's going to be great. Just going to run over and get the lead. Uh, this is you said Raptors Sixers, right? Yep, yeah. Raptors Sixers. I have the Raptors winning this, and I came very close to predicting that the Raptors would come out of the East for Bleacher Report when we did our staff predictions. But um, they're just they're more versatile defensively with the way that James Harden has been playing. Uh, he's a still great passer and draws a lot of attention, but Toronto can frustrate Philly in ways that other teams can't, and the Raptors have improved their half court offense, and they'll be able to get out and transition against Philly's defense. Also, Philly not having Matisse Thybul in the games that take place in Toronto when 
Um, their de- transition defense is already so bad. I think that ends up being huge. I went Raptors in Stefan, but I-, I could see them winning this one in like five or six. Sheesh. I'm also leaning towards the Raptors. I don't think um, Sixers have it all together yet. Wow, I was going Sixers. Um, I mm. thought I I I I think Tyrese Maxey's gonna have like everyone's gonna be focused on Harden and then Bead and everyone else and everything that's going on. I think Maxey's gonna be the guy who just sneaks in and just has amazing game after game. Um, I can see it seven, but I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Philly. All right, I right, move on. Uh, we have Denver Nuggets and the Golden State Warriors close out night one. Does Curry play? If Curry plays, things are different. If Curry doesn't play, I don't know. He is playing. I think they might bring him off the bench for game one, but I, I might be surprised if they even do that. I think the Warriors wind up winning this one just pretty hand handily. I, I am still worried about their offense a little bit when Steph sits, but if they have Draymond playing like he did to close the season, their defense is going to be amazing. Um, matching up with Jokic could be a problem, but they can throw bodies at him and use fouls. And if you're forcing his teammates to beat you, his second best teammate right now is either Will Barton or Aaron Gordon or Monte Morris or Bones Highland, depending on the night. I just think that Jokic, he's so valuable. He will keep you afloat, borderline elite in the regular season, but you need that second and maybe even third guy in the postseason. And they're not going to have MPJ or, or Jamal Murray. So I do give this one to the That's Warriors. Crazy. I think I think the Nuggets make it semi-interesting, but I'll go Warriors in six. I'll go Warriors in five. I, I'll go Warriors in six as well. I think Jokic will steal some games. We'll see how how big Curry will actually be in the games. But, yeah, I'm going to go uh, Warriors six. All right. Um, uh, next day we got Brooklyn Nets. And Boston Celtics could be interesting. Um, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna lean towards the Celtics. Like the Sixers, I don't think the Nets have it all together yet. Okay, big talk, Chuck. Yeah, there's the news that Ben Simmons is planning on playing, like between games four and six of this series. That could actually hurt the Nets, just because That's... I don't know how you integrate a guy who hasn't played in a year and who's not. Yeah, on defense he'll help you, but on offense he's not the cleanest fit. I still don't think he's not used to playing without the ball. And why are you taking the ball out of Kyrie or Katie's hands to give it to Ben Simmons? That just doesn't make sense. I do think the Celtics take this one. Kevin Durant will be good for winning you two or three games, um, but the Nets just they run out of depth so quickly, and they're not built to defend at all. And so Boston can put a lot of pressure on both Kyrie and KD while still having defenders elsewhere to, to make up for it with their supporting cast. And they'll probably generate just enough half court offense against this forgiving Nets defense, I think to win in, in six games, I went Celtics in five, but I feel like that was disrespectful to KD. I'll stick with it though. And just go Celtics in five. Wow. Uh, well, I actually had the Cavs beating the, the Nets in the play in. So I, who, who do I, like, what do I know? Um, I guess for that reason, I should probably go Celtics. I didn't think they were going to be in this spot right here. Um, I think I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Nets. I'm gonna go with the Nets. Just be contrarian. I'm gonna go with the Nets. Uh, eh, why not? Let's throw a Nets in six. Let's see what happens. All right. Uh, then we got Chicago Bulls and Milwaukee Bucks. I like the Bulls. I think they're a good team, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the returning champs. I'm going with Milwaukee. Milwaukee in five. Man, the Bulls. I actually don't even think this one's gonna be close. I think Milwaukee's gonna smoke them. 
Yeah, give Chicago a game. I mean, Bucks, it, Bucks I mean, in five. Bucks in five. I mean, no Lonzo. That's no Lonzo. Caruso's playing, but dealing with a back injury. Vooch has been bad, and this is not the matchup for him. And the Bucks have just slaughtered people with Giannis, Drew, and Chris Middleton on yeah. the floor at the same time. This series is already over. I don't even know why they're playing it, to be honest. Talk about fall from grace. Earlier yeah. this season, we were talking about DeMar DeRozan MVP. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. And Bulls have, since the second half, it's just completely just dwindled down. Um, yeah, Bucks. I'm going to go Bucks and sweep. Uh, All right. I respect yeah. it. Last two, we got the one seed Miami Heat. Against whoever wins the play-in between the Hawks the and the Cavaliers, the Heat are gonna just run with that one, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah their defense might be the best, you know, po- built to defend in the postseason specifically, and so I could see Atlanta giving them some problems on some nights because mm-hmm. of how electric their offense is. But I'd still pick the Heat to win in five, and like that defense is just going to be absolutely hellacious. So whether it's the Cavs, whether it's the Hawks, I'll go Heat in five. Yeah, I think the Hawks would have a little bit of a better chance than the Cavs, but I, yeah, I'm also going to Heat in five, no matter who the matchup is. It's Heat. I'm not going to give you a number because it don't matter. It's just it's Heat, and that's it. <laughs> and then the last Great. matchup we got <laughs> number one seed uh, Phoenix Suns against the winner of the play-in between the Pelicans and the Clippers. This is it's, this is it's uh, it's curtains. Th- th- this I'm going to say is a sweep. Yeah, Phoenix sweep. It would be interesting if Zion all of a sudden came back, though, and that's someone that no one in the NBA is built to defend. So if he was healthy and played, maybe give New Orleans a game. But that's um, Phoenix is a machine. They're they're my pick to come out of the West. And unless the Warriors have like a 100% Steph through and through the playoffs, I don't know that any team in the West comes close to touching them. All right, right. guys, before we close, who's in the finals? Well, that and I also want to ask like a speed round of something. But go ahead, finals. I have Suns Bucks again, and I, I came close to picking mm. Suns Raptors. I'm telling you, I'm high on Toronto, but um, I don't know who to pick in the East. So I'm just going to trust the defending champs and the uh, champs and the best player in the league. And Giannis, I'm just going to go with the easy one picks. Uh, I'm going to go with Heat and Sun. It's going to be hot finals. Sun, which 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 singular Sun is making the is making the just, just one Sun, just one Sun, and all the Heat. Damn. I think I think it's the go Suns. I think the Suns will take it this year. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Suns. Uh they were my Suns, preseason pick, so I'm sticking with them too. Suns Suns and Bucks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna repeat. I I, I think Dimitri also picked Suns and and heat before oh, yeah. the, before the season started. I'm I'm wow. pretty sure. I, I I well I would have to go back on the tape, but I'm pretty sure. All right, speed speed round, first impression, coach of the year, Dan. Monty Williams. Six man. Tyler Hero. Most improved. DeJounte Murray. Rookie of the year. Mm. Scotty Barnes. Shout out, Raptors. Defensive player. Mikhail Bridges in Phoenix. No one's picking him, but he's the right choice. And, of course, the MVP. Nikola Jokic. Damn. Uh, All right. All right. You're Dan. ready. Dan, you're promote, ready. promote your stuff. Tell, tell them where you can find where they can find you and all that good stuff. Uh yeah, just find my podcast on Twitter at Hardwood Knox, spelled exactly as it sounds. And we're on TikTok too. So go check us out there as well. <laughs> yeah. TikTok influencer. 
thank you so much, Dan, for joining. What's the call? Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. You heard our call. What's yours? <laughs>